happy Sunday after Easter. It's, a, it's weird to say it like that, isn't it? It's like, Shan, that was like seven days ago. That's just, we're so far beyond that right now. And that's the point. It really is. I mean, what, if, if what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, if that's just a holiday, then the only thing that you and I have to look forward to was stop and shop reopening and getting the chocolate that was on sale from last week. I mean, that's it. That, I mean, that's all. Or maybe running over to, to BJ's or someplace else to get a ham that nobody else bought. That's all that we have to look forward to. I mean, it's hard. It really, it can be a challenge. And, and in some ways, it's always been the challenge for you and me is to come here on a Sunday morning, hear some things that we know to be true, but then to take those things that we know to be true out into a world that makes it so hard to live it out. That's the challenge. I mean, what do you do with a resurrection? What do you do with that? And and think about it. Uh, for you and I, Easter was a day when uh, there's, a, there's a, lot, uh, a lot more occupied chairs than there are right now. I mean, Easter's the, that one Sunday of the year that, that the rows are filled and kind of thing. But if you think the, the Sunday when it actually happened, when it actually happened was absolutely chaotic. Just total chaos. It was probably the following Sunday where everybody really got together, so to speak. It's really challenging. How do you live a life for God after the resurrection? I want to remind you about where we've been for the last couple of weeks when we talk about finding hope. A couple of weeks ago, we, we said that everyone is looking for hope. Everyone. And in, and in talking, uh, and to, to make that point clear, we, we told the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, many are familiar with that story, maybe from Sunday school, some other things, but we told the story about a man who the rest of uh, his community probably didn't respect too much, if any, and yet all he wanted to do was find Jesus. And we, we talked about the fact that if he was looking for Jesus, he may have been surprised to find out that Jesus was already on the way. And having found Jesus, it wasn't as if Zacchaeus was a stranger. Jesus stopped right where he was, called him by name, and said, I want to go to your house today. And we, we said from that that Jesus, having found Jesus, where he shouldn't be surprised to know that he already knows who we are and where we live and what's going on in our world. Because everyone is looking for hope, and having found Jesus... Zacchaeus' life changed, which means finding Jesus really does matter. The hope that Jesus brings changes us, and it really does matter. That was two weeks ago, and last week on Easter, we said that because everyone's looking for hope, Jesus brought hope for everyone. That was the point 
It wasn't, if you live in this town, if you have this kind of education, if you have this kind of skin color, if you speak this language, if you're from this country. No, it didn't matter. And Jesus said, I want you to preach the message of repentance to all nations. Jesus is for everyone. And the power of the resurrection is for everyone doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you haven't done. What you like, who you like, what you don't like, who you don't like. This is about God loving you so much that he sent his son for you. And having sent his son for you, he, he died for you on the cross. He lives again. He's overcome the grave. So you and I have our sins forgiven and now we have the power to live a new life because he's living again. That's hope for everyone. That's game changer kind of stuff. Okay, so you got uh, a four minute and 30 second reiteration of two Sundays in a row. You get more than your money here, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, And so what does that mean? How do we live in the hope that we have now? What is what what does it mean to be living in the hope that we have? The Bible is full of short, quick uh, paragraphs and sentences to encourage us, not just to uh, say, come in for an hour and, and get a warm, fuzzy feeling, but to be able to actually take it from this place and out beyond the parking lot, back to our homes, back to our offices, uh, back to when we're shopping for that leftover Easter candy, all that kind of stuff so that we can actually live what we really believe. In uh, your Bible, toward the end of the Bible, there's a book called Hebrews. It was written uh, by uh, the author for Jewish people. And so when I read this small section, there are going to be some things that might sound a little bit more like they pertain to somebody else in a different time and in a different way. But I want you to understand that the circumstances there are just the same as they are here in many, many ways. Let me read to you uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting with the 19th verse. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate Uh, one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, when uh, I read that to you, I I need to take a call kind of a time out and give you a little bit background, knowing full well that the author is writing generally to a Jewish audience. And so uh, when I say these things, this is not to give you a snapshot version of Jewish history or give you some background into uh, Judaism in and of itself. I want you to understand 
what was going on in context and recognize that the context that was going on then in many ways is very similar to how a lot of people live and think now. So when Jesus was walking around um, uh, in ancient Jerusalem, there, the, the temple was there in that city. And if you and I uh, were sitting inside the temple building itself right now, which, trust me, would not allowed, be allowed to happen for a whole bunch of different reasons. I'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, but if this were the room, this room would be divided into two rooms. Okay, You have the outer walls. And the room that is right where you guys are sitting was known as the holy place. Okay, and then there was a curtain. Let's just say it's right here uh, in front of the stage. And it separated the holy place from this room that was known as the most holy place. Now, by the time that Jesus showed up, it wasn't just the temple. Right outside the front doors, there was what was known as an inner court. And outside the inner court was what was known as the outer court. And they began to add. It got to the point that, uh, and they, and they believed, uh, uh, and the, uh, God would reside here. And one person was allowed to come in this room. And he rarely came into this room. There were very few people that were allowed into the holy place. Uh, People that were designated by family to have specific uh, uh, responsibilities, if you will. And they would carry those things out. In the inner court, there there was also a restrict. Not everybody could come into the inner court. And then even to the outer. It was just one fence one barrier after another. Do you know how many times people drive by, whether it's this church or another church, and think they're really probably not allowed to go in that room? They're not allowed to go into that building. And even if they were, God might not like them. You probably even felt that. From time to time. God says a whole bunch of things to counter that thinking. But it doesn't escape the fact that we think that way. Living in hope. Means that we have a completely different relationship with God. Living in the hope of the resurrection now means that a whole bunch of stuff has changed. We're living with God. That's the first thing that living with hope means. Living with Him. We don't have to have a, uh, be a card-carrying member of this particular place so that we can get into the outer court, pay a few more annual dues so we can get into the inner court, Be friends with a guy so we can get into the holy place. And friends with uh, someone else so you can get into this. No. It doesn't work like that anymore. First and foremost, living with God means that we live in a relationship with him. It says that Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain so that we now have access to God. Not just on Sunday morning between 9 and noon. Not just on Sunday morning when you come in and you sit down. But when you leave and you're worried about what's going to happen when you get home. When you get home and you get ready for work tomorrow morning, God's with you there too. That's 
what living in hope means. No longer are there restrictions uh, that uh, you and I might think that we have to go to talk to somebody else, tell them everything that's going on in our lives, and then have that individual pray on our behalf. We don't have to worry like that anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the great privilege that we have. We're not wannabes. We're not hoping to bees. We are who God has always wanted us to be. Human beings, not doings. It's a different relationship that we have with him now. There's power there. Because now it's not based upon what somebody else says you are or are not allowed to do. It's not based upon what someone remembers that you did a long time ago. It's based on you and your relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. That's what it means now to live in the hope. It's living with God in a relationship with Him. Living with God also means uh, that we live, this is so good, we live without a guilty conscience. I want you, I want you to think about this. Quick survey. You, you do or do not necessarily have to respond to this question, but did anybody shower today? Four of you. I asked the question because we just, I mean, cleaning ourselves is just kind of a common thing. But let me ask you, can, can anybody run to the same uh, stop and shop? And while you're getting the Easter candy, you go by the, uh, the hygiene aisle. Is there a soap that will clean your conscience? Anybody know? Does anybody know about a particular kind of soap that you can use to clean your memory? To take away guilt? Anybody? I do. It's made by Jesus. And it's his blood. That's why we celebrate. That's why each week we get together, we remember what he did for us and how powerful it was by sharing in communion. Because we tend to forget we tend to think that the stuff that we said or did years ago, God's still mad at us. And Satan whispers in the dark of the night and he says those kinds of... No, our conscience has been cleansed. We're no longer who somebody else thinks we are. We're no longer who we might even think that we are. God has covered that and cleansed that and we can... Be so thankful for that. You don't have to worry when you walk in the door. Because God is not saying, wait, 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 wait. Remember when you were in high school? Remember uh, 15 years ago? That night you didn't come home? God doesn't do that. just says, I love you. You know my son. 
I know you. That's hope. We get to live in that now. We live in, with God in a relationship uh, now. The ho- that's because of the hope that we have. Because of the hope that we have, we live without a guilty, guilty conscience. And we do so confidently. He says there, God can be trusted to keep his promise. Not my promise. Not your promise. Because we make the promise without knowing what next week is going to bring. We make promises without knowing what's going to happen uh, this summer or next fall. Our, our minds only can think so well. Our memories only are so good. Our understanding of what's going to happen in the future is limited at best. This is based on his promise. And, and, the, and the power of uh, the author talking about this promise is it's based in the context of what just happened because of uh, Easter weekend. God promised that he would make everyone clean. God promised that he would make everyone clean through the blood of Jesus. God promised that there would be one that would come and restore our relationship with God. And he promised it in multiple ways and through multiple individuals. And God kept his promise. And in keeping his promise, when he talks about Jesus, he's now talking about you and me and keeping that promise. And so that's why we can hold on to that hope because it's by the promise of God, not by the intentions of weak-minded men and women. That's where that comes from. That's why we have the hope that we have. That's why Easter is more than just a Sunday. We're living with God because uh, of the relationship that we have with him and the fact that we don't have to live with a guilty conscience so we can do so confidently. And we also live then, therefore, for others. Jesus died for us. We can live for other people. He says, let's uh, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And by the way, that is not limited to this room on this day. If the whole point of you and I living in hope is so that we can be nice to each other, so that we can help each other out, if that's all that this is really about, then this is nothing more than a glorified country club. And it's not about God, it's about us. And we're coming here so that we can get something from someone else because we gave something to someone else a little while ago. That's not what this is about. He says, let us spur one another on, encourage one another, help us to think about ways that we can help each other. That's exactly why we're doing the 5K. That's why we're doing that. We get no benefit from this at all. We're doing this for our community. We're connecting with the organization Birthright based in Taunton to help moms in need. Moms who are scared about the pregnancy that they're either uh, just found out about or have been trying to live on their own with. And, And there's a whole bunch of resources that we can bring to bear for those moms and we can encourage them in a number of different ways. We're doing it for the community. And oh, by the way, why would we do this for people that we don't know, for organizations that we've never partnered with? Because God did those kinds of things for us. That's why we do that. 
the hope that God gave us, we want to give to other people. And if we can do it through a 5K, then we'll do that. Because it's more than Easter egg hunts and Christmas concerts and fellowship dinners. It's bringing people life-changing hope that makes a difference in their lives and not just on Sunday mornings. Other people come first. That's the point. I've had a couple of uh, counseling sessions uh, recently with um, uh, some folks who are going to be getting married. And um, can you imagine if the counseling session went along these lines? Bride sitting right here. Bride-to-be sitting right there. Groom-to-be sitting right there. And I look at the bride and I say, "Um, what are you hoping to get out of this guy? Do you have a list? What is it that you want from him? What would it be like if I looked at the groom and I'm saying, what are, you, what are you hoping to get out of this guy? What is it that you want from her? How about we focus in the preparation of your marriage, how about we focus on what you want from each other? If we focus on what you want from each other, then I can absolutely guarantee you are going to be absolutely miserable. Because even if they give you everything you want, it won't be enough. Because we tend to forget what's been done well and remember what hasn't. But if we flip that around and I say to the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be, who do you want this person to become? How are you going to help them to become good? How are you going to help this man to be the best man that you've ever known? How are you going to help this woman to be the best woman that you've ever known? Now we've got two people who are thinking about each other rather than themselves. And if we extrapolate this out to the Christian community, now we've got a whole bunch of people who are not thinking about the the, the benefits to their own organization, but taking the love of God to a community that needs to hear it so much, so powerfully. And even though they don't listen, maybe they will see it when we say, here, birthright, go help some moms. Here, let's, let's, let's have another group for people that are suffering for addictions. Here, let's, let's help this person. Hey, this person needs some help. Let's go help them. Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples by how beautiful your building is. Jesus said, Everyone will know that you are my disciples because you have a cross hanging around your neck. No. Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Not just each other in this room, but when you love where you live. When someone could be confused when they see you coming down the road and say, instead of 
here comes Tim. They say, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. I know that sounds extreme, but in a world... Can, can you think of something that, that could be really used right now like that? We live for others. Other people come first. We also live for others by encouraging one another. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together. Now, those of you who have heard that verse from Hebrews chapter 10 before, you know that oftentimes that's been used kind of to browbeat people and to make sure that they keep their attendance for services. And while you have to, you have to be here to get the encouragement, it's not about being here. It's about encouraging one another because we leak. We forget And we can come in here having showered and even have an extra bag of Easter candy because we did stop at the store on our way in today. We can have all that stuff and we can put on our best church face, but sometimes we can still be absolutely miserable. And we can know about the truth of God, but we can still doubt it. Because we forget. And we get frustrated. And we worry about what is going to happen when we get home. We know that everything feels good here, but sometimes that feeling goes away really, really fast when we walk out that door and we get in the car. And we sometimes uh, husband and wife pick up with the same argument. You, st- you stopped when you got out. Anybody ever been there? Right, babe? We've been there. We've been there. And so we come here to encourage one another. We remind ourselves that God really does keep his promises. We remind ourselves that Jesus really did come out of the grave. We remind ourselves of how good God's been and what he's done for us, even when we doubted that he could ever do any of those things, even though we've heard the stories, we've seen things in other people's lives, we remember things in our own, but we still forget and we need to be reminded. We need to encourage one another that God means what he says and he says what he means and he's made a difference in my life and he can make a difference in yours too and today it's your day to encourage but next week it'll be some other somebody else's day to encourage you because that's what it means to live in hope i encourage you and charge you to live and the hope that God no longer has barriers between you and me. Because of Jesus, we can go straight to the Father. I encourage you and charge you to live in hope, understanding that God doesn't remember anymore. He hasn't just simply forgiven your sin. He's paid for it. The debt is clean and covered you and I don't walk in with guilty consciences anymore. And anybody who reminds, that, reminds you of what you used to be isn't working for God. God reminds you of who you're becoming. I charge you to live with a clean conscience through the blood of Jesus. I encourage you and charge 
you to live confidently knowing that who, uh, what God has done in your life is real and it's happened and you are not who you used to be. You're more like Jesus each and every day and you can live confidently in that hope. I charge you and encourage you to live for each other and not just the people that you know and like, but the people that need to know who Jesus is and and live for him in the community that you live, making a difference not just for your home, but for your community and your neighborhood and your school. I charge you to encourage one another. Because even while you're sitting here, if your phones have gone off, chances are that it's about something that isn't necessarily encouraging. It's a news update about somebody else that made a bad decision. It's frustrating. We don't come here to commiserate about what is going wrong, we come here to remind ourselves of what God has done right for you and for me and what he can do right for others. That's what it means to live in the hope of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every Sunday we get together, as I said before, we celebrate communion. We remember what Jesus did. We remember the hope that he brought us in dying for us and living again for us. We remember that when we take that piece of bread which represents his body and that cup of juice which represents his blood, the power of what he did for my life and for yours. I don't have to live with the jerk that I was years ago. God's forgiven that. I now get to live in the hope of who he's making me into And it's not just some fanciful thought that I go through for an hour on Sunday. It's the fact that God walks with me into that parking lot and in my car and back home and to work and so on. He's changed me and changing me to be the person that he's always wanted me to be. That's what it means to partake and remember the life-giving power of Jesus and the hope that we have. If you don't know that power, if, if the things that I'm talking to you about sound really good, but it's not something that you're familiar with and you want to find out how you can connect with that, in just a minute, I'm going to be back out in that hallway and, and you can come talk to me. You can talk about what it means to have your sins forgiven and to be washed clean and to have that hope and to live in that hope from this day forevermore. I encourage you to reach out when we're done. And if if maybe today's not a good day, grab one of the cards that you have. You can fill that out, stick it in the box, and we'll get in touch with you at a time that's convenient for you. It may be a little bit more private. Live in the hope that we have from Jesus. The men who are going to, the people who are going to be passing out the trays, if you want to go back there and grab those things, let let me pray, and then we'll distribute those items, and John will come up and play for a little bit. God, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, you, you've known us long before we were. You've loved us even longer. God, you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin, and then to live again 
giving us hope that our lives can our lives can be renewed. Our hope is renewed. God, thank you so much. Forgive us sometimes, Lord, when we forget all that you've done and we, we worry that what we talk about here can't be lived out there. We know that it can. So help us. Help us to live with you and love others. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.